All right, DJ and PK, time to bring in David Locke right now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Hey, PK, how are you? Great. I'm curious. Nice to chat with you. <laughs> I'm I'm curious now because you're in the ski community, and I know that the um, the resort shut down and the lifts stopped running. But is there still enough snow? Are there still the occasional uh, hardworking soul who will hike to the top of the mountain and then uh, ski down? There's always a few yeah, it's, it's actually the mountains. Uh, if you look at them, there's tracks everywhere. Um, my son and some of his friends have probably done some. You're not. I don't think it's uh, the mountain. They're not um, policing it, but they've asked you not to climb the uh, mountains. The you know even though they're closed, um, but I think that they're not. They're not policing it. Really, um, there, there isn't real danger to it if you don't know what you're doing, and if you go into steep areas and uh, the snow conditions aren't probably great. Um, but it's a good way to get outside and get some exercise. Well, so we're not going to do that. We're going to sit here and just contemplate when things are going to return. Are you hearing anything that you can amplify on this Vegas stuff? I'm not. Um, not anything more than what anyone's read. I haven't talked to anyone to have any great insight on it. Um, you know, I think it from just uh, deducing logically to, which is, I guess, what deduction is, um, it's the only option uh, that's got any viability. Now, what level of viability I think is probably up for debate and probably uncertain at this point. Um, but I certainly have glommed onto it. It's It's the glimmer of hope of how you can realistically kind of consider getting basketball back out. I do think uh, Adam Silver's comments the other day to Rachel Nichols about, you know, having a role in society's recovery. um, I I do think basketball has got the chance to do it first uh, in the sense that you you really can't just make two ice rinks in the middle of a hotel. Um, And so you can't, I don't think the NHL can suddenly do what the NBA can do, which is do what the G League Showcase did and head down to Mandalay Bay and turn two ballrooms into basketball courts and, you know, play eight games a day and and suddenly get games in. Um, You know, certainly Major League Baseball can't do that. And the only equivalent Major League Baseball could probably try to do uh, would be, and you know this better than I do, PK, would probably be to send everybody to Arizona. But I don't think there's quite the hotel capability to keep everyone quarantined in the same way. And I don't think that there's enough fields for them to get 15 games off a day. Um, maybe there are. That's what they would have to do. They, You know, baseball really plays every day. So maybe there's eight fields and they could play two games a day on every field and one day game and one night game and they could get it done. Um, and so maybe that's a, a similar model for baseball. But I don't know about the cap- the housing capability. There's just so many more people um, around baseball than there are around basketball. So I do feel like basketball has the chance to be the first to get going again if, if in fact, it, it comes together that way. So the theory being you just take over a whole hotel since there's so much space and so many hotels now? So, you don't even bus people? So, yeah, I've, I've talked to a few people about this just because I've, what I've just done, I didn't go to the G League Showcase. And so what the G League Showcase was, was it was at Mandalay Bay in Vegas. And they set up two courts. There were no fans. It was a scouted event only. They had two TV crews, um, two TVs uh, set up so that the games were on YouTube and Facebook Watch and 
and NBA TV. Um, and then they had the arena, they had the inside set so that you're, you know, it's just there. So you could do that. And I, I don't know how many beds Mandalay Bay has, but I'm going to guess enough to probably house the entire grouping. Um, so, you know, that, uh, you know, I, that's the way you would do it. They, they had 30 teams down there. So they've kind of done it already. Uh, Mandalay Bay, uh, I was trying to find it, uh, convention center. So um, the Mandalay Bay, uh, I don't have it. Sorry. I was just trying to see how many hotel, how many rooms are in the um, Mandalay Bay. And I, I just have what their convention center would hold. But hey. Plus the Mandalay Bay, I think you don't even have to go outside. You can walk over right. to Lux- the Luxor. I think there's a, it's a, the big. So you walkway. can connect. Yeah, you know Vegas by better night. Yeah. So you could connect those two um, together, and then, but the you know then there's all sorts of problems, right? So you know it takes a hundred people to put on a TV um, broadcast and. Then you've got all the other people and the officials, and, and you just have a lot of people, and you've got to quarantine them, and how long are they willing to be quarantined, and things like that. Mandalay Bay has 3,200 uh, hotel rooms. Um, yeah. So you probably, with 3,200 hotel rooms, could I, I'm doing the math, could probably house the entire NBA. Well, I think everything changes, too, at that point. You know, people are like, well, then you'd have the media. And I'm like, well, I think you're down to three pool reporters. And you just do a press conference like the NCAA does with three or four pool reporters, and it's beamed out. There would be no local media. Channel 2 would never yeah, go I'm not to this. Sure. I'm not sure you'd even have that. I think uh, you might just uh. have, Zoom call- you have Zoom calls with your me- and after every game. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm just making it up. Yeah. But I don't think you do know that. Put the press conferences on on uh, satellite and on the on the web, and let everyone just grab it, and there you go. Yeah, I mean, you'd be it'd be a skeleton crew, and and so then you know, there's just a lot of questions. Do you play regulars? There's, it, but you know what's so fun about the questions is that there's actually this is there is a scenario here where so what, what we're talking about, you know, the point is that like you start to think about this, and it's viable, right? So um, traveling to 30 teams traveling across the country is not viable. Um, every city in the NBA being free of coronavirus to a level that it's safe to go in and out of those towns and the people want to go in and out of those towns is not viable. Um, you know, Toronto's already said June 30th, so you couldn't start anything until July 1. Um, having entire traveling parties in and out of everywhere the way we regularly do is probably not viable right now. So what is you know, what is nice about this Vegas scenario is that you can kind of glom onto it as a possibility. Now, you know, there's a million things that are difficult about it as well and how, how it's going to be done. But it is, you can see the framework by which you can start to put it together and try to have basketball at some point. Do you think you can do anything in Arizona, PK, for baseball? Well, they certainly have enough fields with all the spring training complexes. I mean, the, you know, there's... They all have stadiums, and plus they've all got backfields. To what level do they do it as far as all that other stuff that you're talking about, the traveling parties, and, you know, they couldn't be all centrally located. I mean, spring training now, uh, as far as what they've got, uh, Arizona versus Florida, what I've heard is that 
people prefer prefer the Phoenix situation because it, the the most you're going to do is an hour bus ride. As in Florida, it's spread out all over the state. It used to be in the old days that they would have some down in Huma and the Palm Springs and whatnot. Well, that's all now and down in Tucson. That's all centralized in the Phoenix Valley area, but it is spread out. So I don't know that you can do that to the degree. It seems like with basketball, that would be much easier to accomplish if that's what they decide to do. But who knows with the baseball situation because it's a much bigger situation and obviously they don't have hotels and you couldn't house everybody in one place. I don't think they have that capability the way they do in Vegas. Vegas is the obvious choice for obvious reasons. We all understand that. So I don't know that they can do it to the level that they're going to do it in basketball. They'd also have to have a different TV crew for every field. So if they're using eight fields and playing two games a day on every field, that you know increases that whole element of you know by six times, you know, four times more people than baseball. And right. And the other thing on you know, I I would suspect that if you go do you do anything like this, you're really expecting the players to be quarantined, and then you know, are they not allowed to have family around? Like, well, I don't. I would I would suspect there's all sorts of new crazy rules. That, but who knows? We're not, you know, we're not there yet. And you know, let's realize also that every report we have is that the country is about to go through, you know, three or four weeks of the worst of this that we're nowhere near. And if you, particularly if you're following some of the numbers in the South and and those areas um, that haven't necessarily, you know, shelter in place yet, that there's still going to be an enormous spike across this country, and we're not totally immobile yet. So it still can spread you know, back and forth from places that have had outbreaks and then have a secondary outbreak, we we could still be, you know, I think this conversation feels, in Utah, feels okay right now because our state seems to be doing, and particularly in Salt Lake and Summit County, a particularly good job of, of curtailing this. Um, and now, you know, that's that's one thing. But if you're holding this conversation in New York right now or in New Orleans or in Detroit, I think, or Miami, I think it would feel really silly. Um, and I think we're going to have more of that over the next two and a half weeks, three weeks from every indication and every, frankly, paper that was written before this all started kind of said exactly that. So um, it might be a conversation that feels less viable in three weeks than it does right now, unfortunately. And I think to take that point and go even further is that what will really matter is what does it look like in Vegas? Because if most of the country it's going pretty well, but it's going poorly in Vegas, then it's not a good idea for Vegas. And if most of the country, you know, is a mixed bag, but Vegas is in great shape, then maybe it's a little more doable. So I think the NBA is probably going to be um, probably analyzing that for, you know, multiple markets. But if Vegas is the one you're going to, you really got to focus on what's going on in Southern Nevada. My feeling of what happened in Vegas, Vegas shut down pretty quickly, right? I mean, Vegas really could have been a disaster. It feels as though that they shut it down fairly quickly. I haven't followed what the news is there recently, but I, I do recall them. You know, we we in Summit County had a similar circumstance. I and mean, we had, and if you looked at Andy Larson, had that story in the Salt Lake Tribune about the, the 10 counties that had the highest per capita cases. They were four New York counties, Mardi Gras, and four ski towns. And those were the, you know, so it was Aspen Vale, Breckenridge, and and Summit County, Park City. Um, you know, the credit of the people here at Summit County, they jump, holy smokes, they shut this place down in about four hours. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to be really thankful that they did because with the amount of transient people and also I think the amount of people that were leaving their 
their hotbed locations to try to come here to get away from it, that they kind of asked not to do it, um, I think was pretty important. So, you know, I felt like Vegas was on on that line of acting pretty quickly. Well, I have some folks in Vegas uh, that I know and visit uh, quite often for some other reasons. And uh, a woman was telling me that uh, she travels across town for work. And what took 45 minutes now takes about 10 minutes to get to work. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about the Vegas shutdown. There's been no question about that, that that has happened. My, my thought for you is that... You know, we've been talking with the colleges and how some of this stuff, and we had Chris Hill on, he came in studio last week or the week before, whenever it was, and that there could be some real serious reform in college athletics and the idea of doing all this stuff that is extravagant. Turns out with the availability of, of uh, communications and technology that maybe you can recruit a little bit differently. And so there's areas and ways that you can improve to save some money and not reduce the product. Do you think any of that stuff, I don't know what it might be, but do you think any of it can come through the NBA, come from it for the NBA, that maybe they can do stuff a little bit differently and still be as effective? Interesting question. Um... I don't know. I don't. Well, I would say this: if they can pull off this Vegas thing, it's also the framework of a pretty neat something else at some point during the season, right? Yeah, the NBA Super Bowl week that happens instead of the All Star Game, and maybe all teams go down for a you know single elimination tournament, or I don't know something something of a different ilk. Um, but if if they prove that they can. Do this isn't probably exactly what you're talking about, but if they prove they can suddenly put 30 teams in the NBA and pull off. Now there's, you know, and then you'd have to you're doing it without fans. So, but that might be fine, frankly, if that that turns out to be something that's um, acceptable for that kind of model of an event. Um, you know, that that might be a really neat thing that they pull off. Um, from a scouting standpoint, uh, I guess Zoom conferences, like you're talking about, seem differently than recruiting. Um, from a, you know, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I think coach touch and uh, coach interaction is pretty important on player development. So I'm not sure what happens there. Um, the one I, I, maybe I'm reading this guy's differently than you are on the college part. There was an article in Axios today, and the amount of college they interviewed like a hundred college athletic directors, and the amount that were like, oh, we have the financial reserves to handle this. I was like, what? Like, I don't want them all to go bankrupt, but, like, when they're talking about, like, yeah, we got the financial reserves, how much money do they have stockpiled? It depends on the school. Uh, we were talking with Chris Hill, and he said Nebraska was sitting on $100 million that they could get through this. But at the same time, UCLA and Cal... Can I ask a question? UCLA and Cal, hold question. on. UCLA and Cal no, no, have an I, enormous I, amount of This is what I debt. want. I want this answer from every AD right now. If you've got $100 million stockpiled, why in gosh darn's name are you taking student fees? Well, I don't know that Nevada is. I mean, some schools are. A lot of schools are. I went to a Big West school. I think the Big West schools all are. But the schools that have the stockpile money are schools that are playing big-time football. I don't think group of five schools – I didn't. I haven't seen what you've seen, so maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think group of five schools have a big stockpile of money. And, and I think only some of the Power Five do. Um, I'll send you what I read today. It was on Axios' kind of morning 
email about um, sports email, um, and I it was interesting. I mean, I, I was stunned. I mean, are you stunned that Florida and Bama and Texas and Ohio State and Michigan and Nebraska might be sitting on a? I was stunned that a hundred out of a hundred ads that they seemed as, and it was just a survey, and you're just getting their answers to it, but it just struck me that, like, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, just even the kind of just, I thought it was really revealing. Like, um, I'm trying to think of an answer that they gave, but there was something about, you know, um, 41% of Power 5 AD said they have financial reserve in place to be used for this type of crisis. Right, forty one percent of for the, this type of crisis of the sixty uh, I don't know what sixty four sixty six power five schools whatever it is so yeah you are talking about the richest twenty five schools and twenty six well, of the group five eight so you're on your number twenty six of the group five eighties but this is like and maybe they haven't really felt it yet in the sense that they haven't lost a football season, and so they think they're Well, they haven't. Fine. That's the big deal. They haven't lost a football season. There isn't, the only crisis right now is the loss of the NCAA tournament. And actually, with the cancellation of the spring sports, they're going to save money because very few spring sports make any money. They just actually just drain money, so they're saving money there. Go back and revisit that if we decide that there's not going to be, not we, but they decide there's not going to be a college football season, then all that stuff will change. But right now, I can see where they're coming from because they just had the cancellation of the NCAA tournament, and it's offset by saving some money from the spring sports. But if they lose football, then they're in a world of hurt. I think that would be true locally at the U because uh, when the economy crashed a decade ago, Chris Hill, I remember Chris Hill said, we have a rainy day fund and we have determined that it is raining and we're going to use it. And Mark Harlan referenced the rainy day fund, but he also referenced um, what an impact the absence of football would have. So you got a rainy day fund and that'll get you through some stuff, but I've read that 80% of the TV contract of every conference's TV contract is football money, and 20% is men's basketball and whatever else. But 80% is football, so that kind of hit, you better have a heck of a rainy day fund. And, and I suspect that there are a handful of high-end schools that do, but only a handful. They're the minority. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I'll send, it, I'll send it both. I just sent both to you. Um, I know. That was interesting. I mean, they also – the other one I thought was interesting is that they um, – a vast majority of them said that they expected revenues to drop 20%, which seemed to me to be kind of like I'm surprised that it was not 100%. Um, and then the following was that, you know, after 20, 63% of them said they would drop 20%, you know, about half of them said, oh, but we're fine. Like, Whoa. So the 20%, I think, is donors who had money on Wall Street or in their business or whatever and can't give, and people who are buying season tickets, and because of what's happened with the economy, are going to say, well, that's the first thing I have to cut. I can't buy the season tickets now. So I think that's the 20%. I think if football goes away, then the number's way more than a 20% loss. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I thought it was really interesting. They, they asked him at one point the most at-risk revenue streams, and so the lists were the donors conference distribution, NCAA distribution, sponsorships, and student fees, um, I, I would have probably put it in the opposite order that they did. 
So why, I thought that was interesting. why don't you tweet the link to that story out? Because I'm sure some of the listeners want to read it too. So put that out on uh, social media, and uh, then everybody can see it. I don't know. If, so if people don't know my Twitter account's at Locked On Sports. There it is. There you go, David. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. See you guys.